0: Let's do it, Raphael. Let's get it going. Yep, yep, yep. Tweet, talk. Episode 22. It's lit.
1: Deuce, deuce. And this week, you know, every week, it's Raphael and Charles. And this week, we have a special guest with us tonight, James Hunt. Twitter handle, at Emporium Co. Am saying it right? Yes,
2: sir. Emporium C E O.
1: Yep. CEO. U M C E O. All right. So James, tell the audience a little bit about yourself before we jump into it.
2: Um just uh, I'm a I'm an analyst by day, business analyst by day. Currently getting my MBA with a concentration in finance, own some real estate. I'm just a hustler, man, and uh, you know, I got different different views. On different things so i just utilize twitter as a platform to express that and make some connections but you know man i'm just i'm just out here trying to make it make it make it work so that's about it yeah
1: and um it it just occurred to me like what's the um significance between behind your twitter handle emporium ceo what's the meaning behind that
2: so so an emporium uh, yeah yeah so an emporium is a for those who don't know is a marketplace Another name for a marketplace. And so um, I figured that the world is my Emporium, my marketplace. So I feel like I'm the world CEO, but I do apply that to business. So like real estate, um, <clears throat> for a company is called Emporium Holdings. And then like when I want to transition into other things, I just continue to utilize that handle. So that's pretty much where it derived from.
0: Oh, okay, 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 okay.
2: Cool, cool, cool.
0: Hold on, Raphael, Raphael. So- huh? I need him to update the people on where his portfolio stands these days. Last time I talked to me, I think he had one door and he was doing well with that one door. Where are you, t- where are yeah. you now?
2: So since I spoke to you, I think I did about three wholesale deals. Um, I bought another property recently this year. Uh, so I'm at two and then I'm buying, a, I'm buying a duplex in about one or two months or so. So I'll be at four doors um and just really just continuing to be in acquisition mode i would have bought the third property quicker but that rehab took me under so i'm just trying to bounce back uh you know the first deal was finance but uh, the second deal was all cash so um just learning how to really rotate the acquisition strategy so i won't be uh you know i don't like having bare cupboards so um just, just going back to the drawing boards, but yeah, I'll be at four doors. Um more than likely by Valentine's Day.
0: Congrats, brother.
2: I appreciate it. What
0: do you yeah. got from Rafael? What
1: do you have? All right, we're gonna start off with a little like so. James, you said a couple of little short tweets. Create habits, start small, and fail up. Talk a little bit. Oh about yeah. That.
2: Well, first of all, it's it's kind of scary to hear people read my tweets back to me. So it's just <laughs> I'm definitely <laughs> I, I definitely wasn't expecting that. But uh, I, I think you know, honestly, I just tweet out my thoughts, and so in, in that space, I'm really just encouraging myself. You know, I've been there before. So again, like 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 Millie just said when I talked when I spoke to him, um, you know, I was in, in the middle of creating good habits, and so you know that and. And a good habit for me is just working out every day. You know, doing something constructive, doing something positive, and so that transitions into my professional and personal life. And just a starting small aspect, like like I just said with Millie. You know, talking to him, I had did one deal, and after I spoke to him, that momentum continued, and is, and is continuing to carry on today. So, and then failing up. I mean, I failed. Like uh, you know, even though i didn't speak about it um this year i had put in for uh nine i had a i had a uh an offer for nine units and so i went through with the hard money process and everything and it didn't go through but for me to know like damn i really just put myself in a position to potentially acquire nine units at once um it was just kind of like a wake-up call like you know this is real and it was disappointing not to, not for it to go through but uh you know everything happens for a reason but i feel like that's failing up because i was able to make connections and also show myself that if i want to do this i can do it so i mean that's kind of how i would look at that tweet in particular
0: so my favorite my favorite james tweet was the tweet about how you made a bunch of money in real estate and then you spent it on the cleveland women <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: I mean, you know, the, the, the thing is this. So, I, you know, I didn't really have a lot of mentors. I didn't have any mentors or a lot of male influence, positive role models, that type of thing. So when you make a little bit of money, where, where I'm from and without the education, uh, you just make mistakes. And so more money, more honeys. That's just really how it goes. So uh, <laughs> I
0: put myself <laughs>
2: I'm just being real, you know, and and, and people took it the wrong way. I think people thought I was saying I paid for sex. That's not the case (laughs) at all. Uh, It was just meaning like, hey, you know, if I want to take a woman out every day of the week or you know, go do something or buy her something or whatever it might be, that's on me and that's what I was doing. So, um, you know, I learned a lot. I learned not to do that, but it was fun while while it lasted. I will say that I I definitely made some good friends and uh, some good memories, but it's definitely something I won't be repeating um, I'm <laughs> more focused, <laughs> more focused and staying to myself now and, and, you know, just being in a, in a position where I can really just grind, grind, grind. So yeah, that team kind of crazy, man.
0: It did, it did. One of the things I'll say, well, two things is that you kind of have to get it out of your system. When you, when you've been working for money and making your money based on exchanging your time for money and you just get this windfall, of passive income you kind of want to live a little bit and i've experienced that for the listeners everybody kind of does it but the crazy part about real estate is the money keeps coming and so like yeah you might have that first year income but that second year income is coming that third year income is coming and so you just got to be wise about the the years that come so it's kind of dope i think a lot of people can relate they just try to act like they they can't relate like they're above it all
2: yeah yeah, I'm transparent, man. I like to talk about the things I did wrong. You know, a lot of people portray themselves to be perfect or, or just in a space where they like, so high and mighty. No, I'm not high and mighty, man. I started from nothing, and I made mistakes and continue to make mistakes, and, like I said, fell up. But uh,
0: at the end of the day, I know I'm going to come out strong, so it's all good. Since we're talking about where you started. I got it. We got to put some more background. You you mentioned that you used to be a hustler in the sense of the Jay Z hustler. Can you talk about how that's <laughs> a, as a as a businessman and an entrepreneur and an investor?
2: Um, you know what I would say this so so I, and, and I like to clarify this a lot of times. I never was a street dude. So you know, I was raised in the church and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but uh i'm opportunist at the same time so i had people who were close to me um, in my immediate family who were involved in things and and uh you know i decided my freshman year in college to take those risks so i think the way that the streets may have impacted me as a professional and entrepreneur is i'm definitely fearless because you know i posted a tweet one time talking about you know i'm not afraid to have credit debt because i've risked my Life for money at one point in time. So I think one thing it made me fearless because uh, I think there's a direct correlation between the risk-taking aspect of it. You know, you got the guerrilla marketing uh, components of things and just putting yourself out there fully um, just to potentially see you know see a reward. So I think from a from a from an investing standpoint, number one, it made me fearless. Uh, number two I think it really just taught me how to flip money in a sense so you know in in the streets or honestly whatever type of hustle you're doing um, you want to continue to scale up and just like we talked about in real estate the goal is to continue to scale up so if, if I start off with one quant like a certain amount of illegal uh products or whatever you know i don't want to get too detailed into it because i'm not encouraging anybody to do the wrong thing but if you start at say you know everybody knows what a dime bag is right so you shouldn't have a dime bag a month later or a year later you should have saved your money and read up and went back to it and so like i like i messed up like we talked about the passive income um You don't want to spend that money you want to save it so you plant those seeds and i'm talking about positive things now with real estate or any type of investment stock investing you take that profit and you read back up you know you go and get a bigger pack and so it's just going to bring you more money and it's just you just continue doing it and doing it and doing it before you know it it's like compound interest it's a snowball effect and it's real and before you know it you really be the man like i mean that's that's just how i look at it so i think i think the number one benefit uh, definitely was just becoming fearless because, uh, I mean, if you're risking your life for jail time, and it's not like I was making millions of dollars, or hundreds of thousands of dollars, like, you know what I'm saying? You're talking about maybe 2,000 a week or something like that at the max, right? That's still not worth, you know, I got relatives who did 10 years in the feds. To me, I don't care how much money you have, like at the most he may have had 50,000 stacked. I know people in real estate who got that, you know what I'm saying? So once I was able to kind of see, all uh, right, you can make this legitimately and be cool. I'm not giving nobody 10 years of my life for that. That's crazy. Right.
0: I, I think the crazy part about it is you spoke to the fearlessness aspect. And that's one of the things that Jay Morrison talks about is he was saying, like, you know, when it comes to this real estate stuff, like it's nobody out there trying to kill me. It's nobody out there trying to lock me up. Right. It's like the, right. the worst thing worst could happen is they might send me a letter. He's like, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Hey, and I got I got one of them letters before, man. You know, I got I got sued, so well, they attempted to sue me. So, you know that that definitely gave me chills. That was worse than any drug raid or or any type of thing like that. Getting a letter, you know, saying right. somebody had a civil suit against you, but
0: it comes with the and, territory. And the crazy part about it is, like like you said, it's the same skill set. And so my goal is to get people to just take as much of an interest in entrepreneurship the legal way as you would in chasing it the illegal way. Cause it's the same game. Business is business. Buy low, sell high is the same business. If we just kind of skip it and go right to the actual legal legit way, we'd have a lot more wealth people in the community, a lot more solutions, a lot more families, a lot more like everything. So don't, what do you yeah, have people want to
2: like, take the, the quick route?
0: They do. They want to take the quick route, and what what's really crazy about it is they want to take the easy route. Because in a lot of ways, it's like a product that is kind of it sells itself. Which I think oh, yeah. some people, some people, they don't want to build that brand. They don't want to have to hustle and actually build up the the groundwork that comes with creating a business a different way. Mm-hmm. Raphael, what's good, man? Where are you? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. So, are you in a James. bathrobe, man? Yeah, man. I I dig it. You got to get comfortable. It's late over there.
1: Yeah, I I turn off my heat, so you won't hear the heat blowing in the background. It just kicks in
2: sometimes. You got a a boiler?
1: Yeah, something like that. Yeah. (laughs)
0: He's in New York.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. You know, so it's getting cold over here already. Really? um, Yeah. Roshana Roshana said this.
0: Rashana said it's 30 degrees where she is. I that means Ooh. I know it's cold in Cleveland. Oh, I mean it's
2: it's super cold in Cleveland, dude. It's over with. I can't wait to graduate. I got to I got to relocate
0: ASAP. Where are you trying to go? <laughs> uh, you know
2: what? I, I'm I don't know, man. I'm thinking uh I might I might do Charlotte for a few years, but I was thinking New York and do Wall Street. I don't know, it just depends on whoever throw me the opportunity first, you know. I'm, I'm I'm trying to work in the finance industry for a couple of years and uh, just continue to build my portfolio up and, and do a couple of things. So, um, you know, I'm definitely not going to be retiring from a a job, but you know, I don't, I'm not opposed to that either because you got, you know, people like Aisha who uh, definitely provide a, a different perspective, but you know, it's, it's still just as, or more fruitful. So yep, we'll see. Yeah. Well, if it's about weather, you don't want to come to New York, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, but everybody don't got to Wall Street. That's where the money is. And you said, you said, James. The problem is most people are slaves to money, debt, vices, instead of making money slaves to them by making it work for you. CDs, bonds, stocks, real estate, small business. Yeah, I
2: mean, I mean, again, it's just uh understanding that and and, it, and honestly i think that statement comes from my, my favorite book of all time and i don't have kids now but if i ever am blessed to have some i'm going to read them this book from sun up to sun down and that's the richest man in babylon hmm. and uh you know what what i what i discovered from that book was basically it talked about that like your your money is your slave and the whole purpose of it is to make it work for you and so you can provide a different number of analogies. Like I usually like to say plant seeds and you know, that's your first tree and that tree obviously drops seeds and you plant more, but again, it's a perpetual cycle. So, I mean, you can start with CDs, like everybody's not going to invest in real estate. I understand that, but you have to find your lane, whatever you're comfortable with and continue to do it. And again, don't mess up the re-up like, you know, Waka Faka had a song a long time ago where he said, "F this money up now. He can't re up. You don't want that to be you. You want your re up to be going back into investing, uh, whatever, whatever sector you're working in." So, uh, back to that tweet. Again, it's just make that money your slave instead of working for it. And because basically, what people do, you know, you know how it goes, man. We live in a society, Instagram, where I'm about to go work hard as hell, all these hours to go get something to. Stun on Instagram, do it for the gram. And next week, now I got to figure out another thing to do where I'm working eight hours to go take a trip or whatever. You know, and on the back end, people don't know that my bank account is low. You know, I really can't do anything too much. I'm not putting too much in my 401k or pension and. You know, you really just fronting out here, and people gonna wake up at forty-five, fifty, and be like tired. They can't work seven days a week anymore. You know what I'm saying? They' done lost all their ambition. That's because they don't have any slaves working for them, and they gonna realize, like, damn, I'm the slave, <laughs> and that's a tiring thing for real.
0: So first off, that on, I, I tweet, pretty much. that that book, "Richest Man in Babylon," is a, is a, a classic. What I like about that book is it. It kind of grows with you. So if you read Rich Dad Poor Dad at 20, and then you read Rich, not Rich Dad Poor Dad, but Rich Man in Babylon at 20, and then read it again at 30, it's a completely different book. You're going to oh, see yeah. different things you never saw before. So your kids, they're going to read it and they're going to hear one thing versus when you read it, you're going to hear another thing. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, the other thing that you said is don't spend the re up, which is a major, key. a lot of people, they don't realize that like the rental income that you get, that's the re up. Like at that point in time, like that's the money that you got to have stashed so that you can go take on new opportunities so that you can go and you can actually like invest into other stuff. And the other is this, what's crazy about money is if you get a windfall, if you get a paycheck, if you get this money, it's wise for you to just take that money and just forget about it. I like to kind of apply the Grant Cardone principle of just staying broke. Whatever money you get, throw it away, make it permanent, forget it even exists, and just put it to work. Get it working for you. Because what's going to happen is you're going to go back out there, you're going to get new money. And that new money is going to replace the old money. And so then if you spend that money, at least you still got the other money stashed. And so I tell, I tell people you, you got to kind of like punt a paycheck or two. And definitely punt your windfall. Yeah. And definitely punt um, business income that you weren't expecting. Yeah, man. And that, and that goes
2: back to creating those good habits. You know, I, I see you talk about punting income a lot. And uh for some people, that's a hard pill to swallow. Like, you know, tomorrow's Friday, it's a payday. For some people, it's so hard for them not to go out, drink, you know, spend that money that they've been waiting all week to spend It they didn't have yesterday. They didn't have anything. They may have had $49 in their Baker collar if they're lucky, you know. But like you said, you're willing to sacrifice and, and and stash that and stay broke, you put yourself in a better situation. I mean, I think – if people break things down because they look at it holistically and I think that's intimidating sometimes, but I'm telling people go on a 90 day grind where you don't drink, where you don't go out, you don't buy anything. And like you take the Millie approach and plan a check or two and, and see where you are in 90 days and you, you'd be satisfied and you created these good habits and who knows what'll happen, man. You know, that might be the spark or push you need. So small steps. Yeah. like so- that.
0: uh Hold on, I got. I have a tweet of his that I want to. I want to bring up. That kind of relates mm-hmm. to this. That's why I don't want us to change topics yet. And this one says, "If you're not ready for your investment accounts to have more money in them than your personal accounts, this game isn't for you."
2: Yeah, that's you know that's real life, man. You know, like I'm like I said, I work seven days a week. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it's moments where, depending on how my income is coming in and i obviously i got expenses but i'll spend my personal money on investments just so i won't stash, so i won't touch my stash in which that turns into me not having any money but i'm looking at my investment accounts like damn i'm i'm broke personally you know what i'm saying like i'm broke personally but my accounts my my real estate income my <clears throat> my stash is good and so that's all i care about because all i'm thinking about is all right I got another slave on the way. That's all I, I gotta get there is get that other slave on the way and that's gonna make even more money come in. You know what I'm saying? That's the light at the end of the tunnel. So yeah, I mean, a lot of people, like, you can't eat off your re You know, we, we talked about that a few minutes ago and, and it, it kind of falls back into that. Where it's you gotta be patient, you gotta be comfortable with being uncomfortable and you might have to wear some shoes you had last season or, you know, you just got to be able to sacrifice, man. I see people who have less than me, but they dress better than me, or they go out more than me or travel more than me or work less than me. And I'm like, what the hell? You know, like, it don't make any sense to me. But at the end of the day, it does make sense to me because they're not willing to sacrifice and I am. So yeah, Yeah. that that tweet was was from my soul, man. (laughs) (laughs) You look at people
1: sometimes and you're like, Man, I know I know I make more money than you. Like, how do you always got to fly your sneakers like every day of the
0: week?
2: Yeah. Yeah, but then you think you think like, you know, those those people are the same ones who somebody might be selling a whole house for fifteen thousand and they can't go grab fifteen thousand. And so that's when that's Mm -hmm. when it's a game changer where it's like damn you got everything you got the assets but you spent you you got you got the assets but you really don't have the assets because that's in vacation mode so what you really did Mm -hmm. was just you you transferred them to someone else and they're going to utilize it correctly
0: you said your assets are in vacation mode (laughs) (laughs) it's like like airplane mode but it's is vacation mode
2: or or your feet Exactly. That's your, your assets is right there. That's what's important to you. you wearing them on your feet or they in Cancun or uh, in Ciroc, whatever it is. Gucci, mm-hmm. that's where it is, you know, and somebody going to make money. Somebody's grateful for you to do that. You're a yeah. shareholder. I'm grateful that you're spending your money like that because it's coming right back to me. So the nature of the game.
1: Yeah, for those listening, uh the richest man in Babylon, if you haven't read that one, that's a really good one. For me Oh yeah. When it when it said, um, a part of what you earn is yours to keep, that blew mm-hmm. my mind when I first read that. To keep it's, Yeah, it was so simple, but it was like it was well, just you know- mind blowing.
2: It is mind-blowing, but, you know, like I said, me being raised in the church, they they they, they force-fed us, you know, pay your tithes and that type of thing, which, you know, I'm not opposed to anybody into religion and paying their tithes, but I think it's equally or more important to force-feed your people, like you just said. Some of that is yours to keep, you know? Like, right. <clears throat> if they gave you that message, if I, I knew about ten percent I got to go to the church before I knew about saving for myself, and I and I and I have a personal issue with that. If you are talking about being productive in the community, um, I think that's counterproductive in a sense. You're not really teaching people financial literacy. So,
1: mm. all right. So you 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 um you said something that kind of connected to this a, a few minutes ago. Where you said on a tweet, "Everybody isn't going to get rich." own a business, or property. However, everyone can make better life choices that will translate into some form of personal success.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, so so for me, and, you know, I think this goes for a lot of people, and we got to remember, that, I mean, it, being driven and, and being in a space where you are a hustler, you start to feel like it's all about money, but it's really not. Like I, this summer, I took some time off from school because I was kind of burned out. And I had just spent all this money on rehabbing this property. And I'm like, I just need to go into some self care. So, you know, I'm talking about yoga, meditation, going on long runs, just doing things that I feel were, were beneficial for me internally. But just that tweet, I think it was it resonated with me. Again, a lot of times I tweet for myself. I really don't tweet for the people. Right. I tweet for myself. So when I say these things, it's kind of like me talking to myself where I had to realize, yeah. I'm a hustler. I know I'm my own businesses and do certain things that people are not going to do because the model that we're set up in right now, with our, with our economy, it, everybody can't be rich. Somebody has to be the worker. Somebody has to be the boss. That's just the way it goes. But even if you are a worker, in the basic, the basic model in the book that you just mentioned, "Richest Man in Babylon," you can work at McDonald's. Understand what the what they're saying in that book back some money and be able to have a hobby, you know, a healthy hobby where you can be into kayaking or you can be into whatever it is, something that's going to take you away from your stress, something that's positive, something that'll help you meet new people and just become more objective. So I just, and that's a, that's another thing where, you know, coming from the community I come from, a lot of people don't have hobbies that are positive, you know, mm. sex, smoking, drinking, that's, that's those, those are not hobbies, but that's pretty much all <laughs> people do. For real for real they don't have hobbies but it's like man if you just open up a little bit more uh sacrifice and understand yourself and get to know yourself like you know i have a common interest in it you can be into glass blowing it doesn't matter man you know what i'm saying like i'm into a lot of different things like, right? um and that's just because i keep an open mind but i know that i believe if people in the hood had hobbies and in a sense of self-worth and understanding I think things would be a lot different. You know, what I mean, and and I'm not trying to get too deep, but looking at therapy and things of that nature for people because people dealing with a lot of different issues. That really could be talked out and and really concentrate on them. um, I think it'd be good for everybody. But unfortunately, people self medicate out here. So that's just what it is. Hmm. So
1: here on Tweet Talk, you know, we have we have a lot of fun here every week with these these tweets, man. But we try to also get black people to think about wealth in a different way. So I got a question to ask you about one of your tweets. You said, by 2030, 2030 an estimated 56% of all homeowners will be Hispanic, mm-hmm. making them a driving force in the housing market. And the reason I bring this one up is because, you know, Charles especially is always banging the drum about whether or not a personal residence a house is an asset or not. People are always arguing with him. So this kind of reminds me of that. What's your personal take on whether or not black people should buy personal residences, houses?
2: I mean, I'm, I'm all for ownership, so I'm a little biased, but it depends on your location. That's one thing. You know, if you're in California, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Um, so you might have to find ownership in a, in a different capacity. Um, and that could be in maybe intellectual property. Uh, you could be buying up domain names, but you need some type of ownership. Um, and then that's just my perspective. But as far as buying real estate, if you are in a space, especially the Midwest, you don't have a, you don't have an excuse if you live in the Midwest not to own a property. I mean, if you if you let this stuff just go past you, that's on you. I mean, you can buy a house for less than fifty thousand dollars here. So, um, I think it's good because it gives a sense of ownership. And then you look at, you know, a lot of these people, people don't vote because. They don't know that levies are being passed which can increase or decrease taxes in your community. So if you look at the direct correlation between crime, home ownership and voting, there's a huge and your school systems. So you look at the worst school systems in the neighborhood, traditionally they have the most renters as well. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, all right, how do you transform a community? How do you transform your school system is, well, you need to have some ownership. You can have more of a voice where you can actually know what's going on because you're going to be more attentive because I care about what's going on and I don't want certain levies passed or I do want them passed. So I think um, for people who are in a space where you're in an area where you can obtain property um, through through real estate, home ownership, I say do it wholeheartedly. I don't care what you have to do. Um, You know, sometimes you got to crawl through the window instead of walk through the front door. But, uh, you know, and I'll be one of the first people to tell you that that's what you got to do, because I had to do it. But there's really no excuse because the opportunity is there. So um, it's something you just want to look into. And and the reason and, and I will say this. So that data is accurate. And, uh, you know, when I saw it, I forgot the, the source, but it was like the U.S. Census or I usually don't, I don't post anything that's not from a credible source, but. Um, you know, a lot of those people are going to be first generation homeowners. So that's why you will see that influx because I think our people have already, we've seen that influx. Our grandparents were that influx, right? And so some of our parents may have bought homes, some of them may have not, but then we look at our generation. We don't value that as much just because there's not really that sense of the American dream in a sense, because they already had it. Like your grandmother, most people's grandparents own the property. That's right. a given in the black community. Who owns the properties? Usually, the grandparents, the parents. They may have been caught up with the crack era, or who, whatever it was, or just got everything. They didn't have to work as much because they, you know, people work for the manufacturing companies. But long story short, those people are just taking full advantage of what's in front of them, just like our grandparents did. So, um, yeah, I, I, I support anybody um, to to home ownership, especially my people, because it's like I know that's the equalizer. And that's right. how you take control of your community. So, oh like- yeah, and, and just as important, so, real quick, and I feel, and I want to say this too, just as important as paying your tithes and paying yourself is one thing we got to do is, is we got to start contributing to these political campaigns as well. I mean, you can vote all you want, but if you're not a part of their platform or, or they don't even know what, you don't have a voice, a part of their platform, there's really no purpose.
0: Right. Yep. Very true. Um. I feel like if you were to look at communities where there's home ownership and then look at communities where there isn't home ownership, you would see an increase in everything. Income. Yeah,
2: crime, everything, poverty, everything. Right.
0: And and so the idea of whether a house is an asset is like this abstract idea that people just kind of throw out there and say, I would never rent, I would never own, because All these different things, but let's kind of take a step back and say, well, do people who own homes do better than people who don't own homes? And if we can answer yes, then the goal should be to own a home versus saying, well, you know, it might not increase in value or you have to have to have upkeep or you have to pay your taxes. Well, paying your taxes and actually having to upkeep your property might make you a better person. And if you're a better person, then your life is better and your community is better and your children's lives are better. And that's why the whole argument of like a house is an asset is just, it's ridiculous to me.
2: Well, see you. And the the thing is a lot of these people who argue these things, they don't have any experience or knowledge. So they don't know a mortgage is a hedge against inflation. As a landlord, I can raise my rents every year. The bank can't raise your mortgage. Uh. So what you're paying is what you're paying. So you end at a 30 year loan, for however much you pay for it that's what you're paying right now and 15 years from now is going to be the same for your mortgage now your property taxes could possibly increase but that just depends on how the neighborhood is doing so if your property taxes increase where they get crazy guess what you have got a lot of equity in that home then you can say all right i'm getting out of here it's too much or you can be like i'm leaving and i'm going to rent it out so to me there are no cons associated with buying Property, especially where you from in your hood and living in that area, because once you're down, it's only you. You only can go but up in a sense. So I don't know what people scared of, but if you want to continue to have your rents raised and not really have a voice in the community, that's fine. But I and I'm not opposed to renting. Don't get me wrong. I think if you live in a good neighborhood and a good school system, you don't have to own. That's fine. But if you do not and you don't have that opportunity, you need to own. That's the only way that's going to change your your whole dynamic of your of your your life in, in the surrounding community. So,
0: I got a tweet. The tweet is: "There are no shortcuts. We must learn to distrust anything that is fast or easy."
2: Yeah, man, I got that from. Uh, I want to say I've been into like a lot of stoic stoic uh, readings and, and tweets lately. I want to say that came from something like that, but basically it's the truth, man, There's, there are no shortcuts. I mean, anything that's easy is not good. Like even for myself right now, I kid you not, like I'm going through one of the hardest classes I've, I've faced in my life, this operations management class. And every time I, I feel like, dang, man, this is just crazy. I want to complain. I'm like, no, this is stretching me to become a better man. And so it's like lifting weights or in sports or whatever you're doing, you have to break even muscle when you build muscle it breaks down first so you got to be willing to break down to come back stronger so if you're not if you're taking shortcuts you're only cheating yourself from experience connections who knows what and then uh what was the last part of that
0: tweet distrust anything that's faster anything. easy
2: yeah because oh and again people are always getting finessed or scammed out of stuff because I love the show uh, American Greed, right? And so one common factor with that show is they pry on people who want fast, just crazy returns. Like, And it doesn't happen. You know, if somebody comes to you and say, hey, like, I can flip $30 and turn it to 300 or that's how people get scammed on Instagram, like the stupidest scams come up because people are thirsty and they're looking for the easy route out, so... I feel like a lot of people can avoid stuff like that just by knowing, hey man, if this is too easy, a shortcut, I don't want it. I don't. It's not gonna help me because if it was that easy, everybody would be doing it and everybody would be in a better position. And that's that's how I kind of look at things. when people be, they ask me like, oh, if I pay certain people to fix my credit or blah blah blah, like you can't pay nobody to fix your credit, like. You can pay them to guide you to fix your hmm. own credit, but there's certain steps you have to take. It take a, there's a process to this game, right? You can't just pay your there's a 1-800 number. Yeah, if there's a 1-800 number, fix my credit, Damn and I'll pay shit. you 500 and that's it. Everybody's going to be doing it. Everybody will have good credit. But that's not the case. But people are so quick to jump into the easiest, most convenient thing. It's just like, man, y'all, y'all got to y'all gotta understand.
1: Pay your bills. It's going to
2: work Pay your bills, yeah. I mean, I know some people don't have the education, you know, and I'm not putting anybody down because I had to learn myself, but I know for a fact if it was that easy, everybody would be doing it. It's not. You can't just pay your way out of stuff.
1: Let's take a quick break.
2: Right. Raphael. Uh, what do you
0: got for him, man? Um.
2: Give me can a I good
0: a, one. Can I get a tweet after one of his tweets? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was about to go to one of yours right now.
1: Let's do it. So, Charles, you said black wealth history. Um, we need to learn about black folks who did more than just be slaves and get bit by dogs.
0: <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, was, I was talking to Rashana Scott. I talked to her a lot. And we are just riding down the street and I was talking to her about the founder of Aerial Investments. And mm. I, his name. I think it's like John Rogers or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, John but, Rogers Jr. But the, fa- yeah. the fact that I don't know his name is a problem. But mm-hmm. I know all these people who didn't contribute anything, who didn't show me what I could become, who didn't model anything that was actually lucrative. Or I know all the names of the rappers, all the names of the drug dealer movies, all the names of all this stuff that doesn't uplift me. And so I was realizing, like, you know, we got we got to start teaching our own history. And the crazy part about it is, we're like the only community that expects somebody else to teach us our history, and then expects to get history that's going to actually uplift us. And so it kind of is the theme of this whole week. People are talking about the Harriet movie. People are talking about this new movie, The Bankers.
1: The Banker, yeah.
0: And like, I'm I'm so crazy i don't even really want to acknowledge and this is what steven uh, said last week because i don't even want to even acknowledge uh slavery like it didn't exist like i don't know what you all talking about what's slavery let's just all talk about black world history and so when i started to realize this i was like you know what there are two books out there that just outline it all and that's the wealth choice and Thinking and rich a black choice where dennis kimbrough goes through and he talks about all these different people who did it and that led me to read other books like uh black titan which is about uh i forget his name black Gaston Gaston, right or of course everybody's favorite book why should white guys have all the fun or the other book um building atlanta and you start finding all these dope people who have done what you want to do or have done what people say you can't do and so i was just thinking like we got to start teaching the history of builders in this country, investors in this country, innovators in this country, not the person who was the first black person to do something white people have been doing. That's not history. I don't know what to really call it, but that's, I always tell people like, that's like celebrating second place. And in a lot of ways, it's not even second place because we like the first black person to do something a hundred white people have done. And so I don't want to celebrate the first black, I want to celebrate the first ever. I want to celebrate actually people who have changed things and created things and improved things for people, not just somebody who just got beat like and i mean to say that i don't mean to say it in like an offensive way but that's just kind of where my mindset is these days like we gotta if you you gotta you gotta kind of shape the narrative that you want right so if you only watch movies of slaves you only watch movies of like jackie robinson story all these things you're gonna see it in your real life you're gonna see that and you're gonna look for it and you're gonna find it you're gonna find racism oppression slights but if you find abundance if you seek The actual stories that uplift us you're gonna uplift yourself. and that's why other communities they they do well they don't they don't dwell on the bullshit you don't see a bunch of holocaust movies you don't see a bunch of like black plague movies you don't see people glorifying their worst days one of the one of the things that's so frustrating about those those movies to me like the nat turner movie it doesn't have a happy ending it has a bad ending the harriet Tubman story i don't know what the ending on that is but a lot of these stories it ends up just being like oh well we killed him. That sucks. I watched a movie last night. Actually, it was this movie on Netflix. It was called the The American Boy, and it was about Carrie um, Washington and her white husband, and they had a black son who got pulled over by the cops. The whole movie is just them trying to find their son. They're like, "Where's my son? Where's my son?" At the very end of the movie, turns out their son got shot, and that's the end of the movie. And I was like, "Who wants to watch that shit? I don't want to watch that. I don't want to like Ooh. like dwell in that." <laughs> So
2: that's just kind of well hey. hey Millie, not to cut you off, I got a question for you, but I'm I'm with you 100%. I've never seen you mentioned uh ben, Nat Turner. I've never seen any of those movies. I don't want to see none of that shit. You know what I'm saying? If it's not pu- like pushing me to to move forward in a in a better space, I don't want to dwell on that stuff, but I got a question for you. Um you kind of touched on uh basically being exposed to these heavy hitters. So like a lot of people didn't even know who Robert Smith was. Right. And so I feel like a lot of these people who did like obtain certain levels of status in business and the professional world somewhat were afraid to step forward in a sense. And I don't know why. I mean, some people would say because they were tokens or some people would be like, they don't want to lose their position. There's only so much they can do. All that bullshit you may have heard, excuse my language, but, um, do you think, like, nowadays what's important for, for people who actually do put themselves in a position to win is to get out there and, and spread their message because that wasn't happening before that to, that, from what I've seen?
0: You know, I'm not really sure. I'm not sure. I just um, – I think that social media makes it great because you can have access to people without having access to them if that makes sense. Meaning like yeah. Robert, there are all these people don't have to actually go to the front lines for you to see what they're doing in the boardroom. Or if you to see what they're doing when they're hopping off a jet. Like if you watch Don Peebles, uh, Instagram, like you get an inside look at Don Peebles you've never seen before. And so social media and podcasts that helps. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't really put the, I don't put it on them to showcase it. I more so kind of put it on myself It's like, I want to highlight the greatness. I want to highlight people who are doing well. Well,
2: yeah, I'm saying even you, even the new generation, so to speak, so even yourself, is it important to you to actually display what you're doing, how you're doing it to people, to inspire others?
0: Absolutely. I think that that's why this media is important. That's why we have this podcast, the other podcasts, the social media, all that stuff, is to show people what's possible and to kind of take control of our narrative. We have to take control of, who our heroes are, we have to take control of who our kids look up to. we have to take control of the, the the past that our children follow, and we do that by media i was I saw somebody make a post and they were talking about how like the media is so powerful as a Malcolm x quote that it'll make you hate somebody you should be loving and love somebody you should be hating and so the problem with the beauty in that is that social media is media it's the same media yeah. you, people spend more time watching social media than they than they watch the news. And so we have the ability to control that. And if you look on Instagram over the past few years, you have more and more people that are making the right decisions who are investing. I'm seeing less people just taking trips and traveling. Like that's actually become kind of like not the cool thing to do anymore. The cool thing to do is to stand in front of your rental property. And so we kind of get to determine what's hot. And I think that we're starting to see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, Real quick, Charles,
1: I want to dip into for a second into um, what I like to call the Mobile Barbershop Chronicles.
0: I knew you were going to ask me that. Mobile Barbershop <laughs> Chronicles. So I have I've basically, I pawned off that whole thing to LaMontre. LaMontre is a very qualified individual. He's somebody who's a part of our team. And he actually, he has some deals that he's running up in Baltimore. And so I'm allowing him to kind of quarter quarterback that whole thing because I'm finding that, I think I said this on the last show, is it's not good for me to have a direct connection with tenants or people who are working for us because it's kind of like that whole idea of always the property manager, never the owner. And so when you have the ability to, to have the say-so over what should not be, should not be done, people can kind of like talk you into some stuff that you shouldn't be getting talked into. And so I had to remove myself from that equation to let somebody else kind of handle the day-to-day and so the, the barber still t- uh, texts me, he sends me videos and updates every day and I just kind of ignore him and just screenshot it over to LaMontre. LaMontre kind of runs that, that piece. It kind of, it, it helps us um, keep structure and order in the organization. It, it, it's actually something that I learned from working in the firm that I'm in now. I, I realized like the big boss, the CEO, he doesn't, he doesn't deal with people. He deals with managers and managers deal with people. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to implement. I, don't, I shouldn't be the person having this conversation with him. Like, if I have to have a hard conversation, I'm going to have a hard conversation with my manager who's then going to go relay, relay the bad news to the tenant as opposed to me relaying the bad news to the tenant because then it, it just, it kind of makes the relationship strained. Uh huh.
1: Well, you tweeted, uh, build to sell or build to remove yourself from the day-to-day and continue to own it.
0: I was listening to this dope podcast this morning um the stack and benjamin's podcast and he was talking about how well first the biggest takeaway from that whole podcast was the idea of aiming for early retirement not so much getting rich or getting wealthy and a lot of us are aiming for wealth and riches and there's that's not a number you got to have goals that are measurable and quantifiable and wealth is not a quantifiable goal early retirement is because early retirement looks like i got to pay off my house i got to pay off my student loans I got to have passive income that's more than my living expenses. And so that's what I'm trying to kind of steer the ship towards is let's not aim towards wealth as much as we're aiming towards financial freedom, because you can get to financial freedom by picking up a second job or by starting a business on the side. That's financial freedom. Financial freedom isn't necessarily like I got a Rolls Royce. And so that was one of the biggest takeaways from that. The other takeaway was just that they were talking about building a business and you have two different conflicts. So the host, he was like, oh, yeah, the whole goal is to build a company to sell it. And the other guy was like, nah, actually, I kind of want to build it and have something I can pass on to my kids. I'm building this for legacy. And I was like, I'm kind of a legacy guy. But it's interesting to see that somebody thought that the only purpose is to build a business to sell it. But there's two ways you can go about it. And he was also saying that basically if you build a business and you remove yourself from that business, you've effectively sold it in the first place. You just get money for nothing. So. Any thoughts, James? James?
2: No, I I agree. Um, It's funny. I can't remember the podcast I was listening to, but one of the guys, he was one of those guys who built a company from nothing and and actually sold it. And so it is relatively attractive. But what I've noticed is a lot of those people usually go on excursions for a year and they go right back to business, to building again. So it's not like they just go and sail off into the sunset forever. Um, It's a space where they feel like they accomplished a measurable goal, like, like Millie explained. And it was funny to, to piggyback off of that. I was sitting over here thinking like, damn, all this time I've been thinking I'm crazy because my goal, and this is a short-term goal, but it's like, I want to have a million dollars liquid. Like I just do, you know what I'm saying? That's just what I want and that's what I'm going to get. And so knowing that that's a short-term goal for myself, and I've, I've had that for years. When People ask me, what's your ultimate goal? What you want to do? I want a million dollars cash, like cash money. For some people, they're like, oh, man, you aiming too low. Man, I don't want to hear none of that. Let me get my million dollars. And then I didn't say I was going to quit the game. That's just, for me, I know, like, all this sacrifice, all this hustling, everything I've done thus far, I finally can feel like, all right, this is, this is it right here. You know what I'm saying? Now we can get to business, business. So, for me, hearing Millie just say that to me, it's just confirmation to know, like, no, man, your goal not too small, and it's not too crazy either. Having a million dollars liquid is what you want. You're going to get that and move forward. Like Nobody's laying down after they accomplish their set goals. It's like, no, this is just something that you want to chase after. It continues to push you. That's what gets me out of bed. Like I don't want to work seven days a week. I want to be lazy just like the other people. But I know that they're not going to have a million dollars cash. I know they're not. You know what I mean? They haven't even seen 10000 cash. So in order for me to get there, that's when I know, like, all right, this is cool. You know what I'm saying? I'm, whatever I'm doing, that's fine. But I have a reminder in the back of my head, I don't have a million dollars cash yet. So we got to keep hustling and keep hustling. Then we can go back to the to the drawing board after you get to that million dollars liquid and figure out now how we're going to make that move. What's the next goal? So no, I, I agree with everything uh, Todd just said.
1: All right. So you all right over there? Charles? Yeah, I dropped something, My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I know you stopped drinking. Up. I know you stopped drinking on the podcast. Uh... Yeah. Sober talks.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, you was drink, you was drinking on the podcast, man? Yeah, to...
0: man. <laughs> yep. Got turned up. Turned up. Used to be a little on the podcast. Now it's just it's just like fizzling. Now we have a good time though, It's popping. So Charles, oh, you yeah. said. And I think I know what this is
1: about um doing stuff because it's right over doing stuff to get even
0: I don't even know why I said that
1: i, I think I, I think i know i think i know
0: why did, why did I say it?
1: I don't know if you already want to talk about it this week, but um I'm thinking it has something to do with the whole Tony the closer uh drama this week uh
0: no but I think we should touch on that Tony the Closer drama since we're here. And we haven't talked.
2: explain to- it because I had no clue what was going on.
0: Yeah, so I guess what happened is Jay Morrison and Tony the Closer were set to do this event, and um, Jay pulled out, like, last minute. He just kind of stopped promoting it, and then he popped up on his Snapchat, and he was like, yeah, man, I only deal with people who got integrity, man. Integrity, um, that's what matters to me. And he didn't name any names, didn't say anything, didn't go after anybody, didn't do anything like that. And the next day, he pops up and Tony The Closer posts this long thread on his Instagram, like, cussing and calling people loud and calling people names and calling people a fraud. And then he goes live and he's over there just talking crap about Jay and everybody in, his, yeah. is in the mentions. And it kind of reminded me of the situation that I went through with the Hoteps. But I realized, like, it's 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 lame that we do that to each other. It's lame that If we get in a disagreement, we gotta take you out. We gotta assassinate you. And I was telling people that it's similar to in the streets. If you got a problem with somebody, it's dudes out there getting killed. I always tell people, and they don't like when I say it, but it's a lot more dudes getting killed by other dudes than the cops. Like when like Chris Rock said, he said, when I go to the ATM, he said the money machine. He said, I'm not looking over my shoulder for the media. I'm looking over my shoulder for niggas. And so all I say is that like we can't assassinate each other and then blame other people for holding us back and so it's like you gotta be able to disagree if we're gonna do business we gotta be able to disagree cause you're not gonna always agree on stuff and that was my biggest issue with the barbershop tenant dude I was like we got into a disagreement and it turned into some nigga shit I was like I don't do nigga business (laughs) so therefore I I can't talk to you anymore man yeah yeah and that's kinda what that was what disappointed to me
2: Yeah. And I got to agree with you. I I definitely agree with you. And and I would say this. So that's one reason why I'm not into partnering. And I'm really like, I'm not a loner. Like I know a lot of people, but I I keep them at a close distance because like you said, it can overnight, like, I don't know the guy, Tony, the closer, but it sounds like it was a financially frustrated situation. You know what I mean? A lot of times he may have known that Jay pulled out ticket sales might plummet. So. Um, It sounds like it was financial and that can get sticky, but that's why you really got to know who you're going into business with and not being it just for the money because yeah, the money might be cool, but I mean, people turn on you quick for money, man. So I I just, if I'm not paying somebody, I really don't want to partner with anybody right now. That's just how I look at it because I need to learn what I like, how I like to do things. And so I can really bring my, my top like game to somebody and know I don't want to learn and fail up with a partner, if that makes any sense. Like I want to be where we're in the space. All right, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And that's it. Like I, I, my my own personal shortcomings should not impact my business. And like, like Millie just said, it shouldn't be no nigga shit. Sometimes I have nigga stuff going on personally, but that shouldn't be a reflection in my business. And a lot of times you develop those relationships and partnerships and you run into that and it just turns people off and, like you said, I don't know the, the hot, hot tips, hot I don't, tips. I don't get into that either because it's like that is huge uh, cancel culture and all this stuff. It's like if you're not on people's teams nowadays, they're like, oh, man, you know, you're the enemy type stuff. And I'm like, what? Like what's going on? You know, you can have a disagreement and move forward as men or women. It shouldn't have to go through that. But nowadays it's just like you say anything somebody don't like, the world is so PC and sensitive, man, it's just over with. You got to die. And like you just, that Malcolm X quote <laughs> like you mentioned, like you said, like the media is making people hate the people they should love and love the ones they should hate. And that's so right. real. And I try to reinforce that. And I get just, people just start killing me like, oh man, that, all this stuff. I'm like, bro, you don't have to be a follower. You can just open your eyes up and have your own objective opinion and still be cool. And people going to respect you, but it's just crazy the funny thing to
1: me about that
2: situation um you can't do
1: stuff like that man and because the way tony the clip i didn't i didn't see what jay had said first but the way tony went about it it was kind of like i kind of like believed him what he said about jay like pulling out and because he he wasn't thinking he was going to make enough money or whatever it is. i kind of believed his side of the story but the way he went about trashing him, I still, I still kind of like, like I still kind of rock with Jay, right. even though I think he probably is probably true what he say that he did, but I would not mess with this Tony kid, like mm-hmm. just because yeah. of the way he acted.
0: I I think like, I've kind of been I've kind of been kind of cool on Tony too. I and the crazy part about it is I just listened to his podcast with uh with Xavier. And like I listened to the podcast, you kind of create a connection with the guest and I started to follow more of his content, and probably was going to reach out to get him on our podcast or one of my podcasts, whichever one. And then from there, kind of build that relationship as well. But when you started kind of doing that, I was like, uh, I mean, you do somebody else like that. You might do me like that. I don't know. Like, that's just how you react to stuff when stuff doesn't work oh, out.
2: Yeah. Hey, somebody show you who they are. You better believe them for real. Right. That's,
0: that's real, man. So right. good luck to him on that event. All that stuff. We still yeah, bless par- black men on this show.
1: Right. Apparently the ticket sales actually went up after, after Jay pulled up. I yeah. guess the drama, do uh, people were waiting, people were waiting for to hear something bad
0: about Jay Morrison. So Right. That's the crazy part about it, is they see you shining, they can't wait to 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 crab you out. Tear you down.
2: They build about- you up to tear you down.
0: Right. One of the metaphors that I realized and I kind of pulled out was like, it's kind of like the crab in a bucket men- mentality where you got to have a lead crab. You got the lead crab and then everybody else starts kind of like pulling on the other crab who already grabbed the, the dude who was getting out his legs to kind of pull him down, too. And so like he was kind of like the lead crab. And then you had a bunch of people coming out the woodworks in the comments like, oh, I never trusted that dude. Or I knew he was right. like that. Or, oh, yeah, when they tried to make us pay to go to their wedding, like I was I was done after that. And it's tough, man. It's like it's like Jay said, two things. He's like, with the same sword that they knight you, they they go and good knight you. And then also one of the things that I took from that is just how Jay didn't respond. That reminded me a lot of Jay Z, because Jay Z he used to go through some drama back in the day. He would never respond. You never really the only disc record that you got from Jay Z was um, I think Ether. Was that was that? No, No, it was was that. What was Takeover? The Takeover. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. He never got – he just ignored it, and it went away. And that's what Jay did, and that's why I kind of respect Jay more than I respect other dudes.
2: And, and I don't know the dude Tony, is no, not to discredit him and what he's doing, but you really, you know, from, from a strategic standpoint, you don't fire back at nobody. You, you probably have a larger following than anyways, because it's just yeah. going to blow them up and make right. you look bad. So what Jay had to respond to Nas because he was pretty much in the same space where you had those two MCs, going back to the rap analogy, But, you know, what you look like firing. That's why I don't go back and forth with people on the internet. I'm not arguing with you. You probably (laughs) don't even own anything. don't have any experience. Seriously, I'm like, do you have any data to support your claims? If it's opinion-based, I just say, okay, and that's it. I'm going about my way. I'm not about to go back and forth with these people, man. It's crazy.
0: Yep.
1: That's funny you say that. Nas was the first rapper that was on Jay's level that took shots at him.
2: Yeah, he had to he had to. Yeah. Everybody else, because think about it, usually if you poke at somebody to get some type of recognition, I mean, you feel good about yourself, but then that's also going to make the fans and people go towards that person. But, I mean, look at 50 Cent. It was calculated. He did that. He went his first out, I think his first single or whatever was like a diss against the whole industry because he wanted, yeah. right. I think it was called
0: House yeah, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. He
2: wanted that notoriety. He wanted that response. He knew if anybody would respond in any capacity, that's going put him, to put him up there. Speaking that was of a the way, reason, nobody, that was a way back then.
0: I was actually, I was going to, my, my plan was to make the 50 cent point and then transition into this next question that I have for you. And it was that you put out a tweet that said that the 50th law is a great book. Can you talk about that?
2: Oh, I mean, Robert Greene is my favorite, favorite author, you know, and I feel like, a lot of people they go into the four day laws of power but my favorite book by Robert Greene is I would say The Art of Seduction and then The 50th Law but uh I like The 50th Law because I feel like he wrote that book a lot of people missed it but he wrote that book for people from our community you know he wrote that for people who grew up in poverty who need to figure out the the parallel between corporate America and the streets and just how to master their fear and just how to become more calculated, not to respond emotionally. Like you just said, Jay did, he didn't respond emotionally. So a lot of these small, simple things that in in our emotionally charged environments where where I'm from, it's okay to go, you know, instantly, as soon as you feel something, you respond. But in that book, he's saying, you process things, you don't have to always say something back. You can be the bigger person. You need to realize that you need to think objectively to make it to the next day. And so like the 50th law is broken down. I feel like at a third grade reading level, you know, it's not like, uh, Robert Greene is very crafty with his writings. And he talks about people you've never heard of throughout history and makes these analogies for present day. And a lot of times people can't connect with, you have different Roman, uh, leaders and whatnot. They're like, who the hell is that? You know what I'm saying? But he was able to break it down to a level where I feel like everybody should read that book, The Fifty Law. Like if, you, if you're if you from the streets or if you're not from the streets, I think The 50th Law is a great place to start if you're looking at personal and professional development because no matter where you're from, you could be from an Ivy League school or you could be a GED dropout, you deal with fear, you know, and he talks about how to master your fear and why you need to do that. Just there's so many different, I feel like, takeaways you can get from that book, and it's a short read as well. I mean, the 48 Laws of Power, Artist Seduction, those are long reads that can be intimidating to some, but the 50 of Law is a quick read, man, and it's just impactful. Like, he's packed up so much into it, and I feel like 50 got a new book coming out, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to grab that. I don't think he has Robert Greene helping him out, but I, I admire 50 as a businessman, so. <laughs> did, you ever, did you ever read
1: uh, Pieces of White, his first book?
2: No, I didn't read that. How was that?
1: That was pretty good. That was pretty good. That that was more that was yeah. more like his upbringing more so than like a business book or whatever. But it was just interesting.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah uh, the that's a good book.
0: I I bring that up because it's one of my favorite books. When I read it, I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, wow. Like I still cite it, and I still like I think I applied the principles to my life. It's, it's interesting because it really does. It, it applies to people that kind of come from that environment and showing them that despite what you come from, you can become something. And so I think people should really like that's one of the books that should be read or taught to young kids who are coming from that environment. Columbus is cool. But if you could learn how 50 Cent made it, maybe you could make it too. another book that I think is that a lot of people should read is that book um, by Damon John, The Power of Broke. Because it really shifts your mindset, thinking that broke is a hindrance to thinking that broke is an opportunity. And a lot of people who are, who need to create something but come from nothing, if they just knew that there's actually power in that that brokenness that creates the resourcefulness and the creativity, a lot of people would do well. So we're going we're going to create a whole curriculum, Raphael Blackwell Tweet Talks Curriculum.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, make sure you throw the power of habit in there too. That's a okay. good
1: book. Okay, Charles Duhigg or something like that, right?
2: Yep. Yep. That's a real good one.
1: Yeah. And also a couple more, uh, recommendations, Black Fortunes. We were talking about this on Twitter yesterday.
0: I got to check uh, that out.
1: Oh, you never saw write that one. It's Black never. Fortunes by, by Shamari Wills. He talks about the first six, uh, I think it's the first six or it's six black millionaires after, uh, the end of slavery. And it talks about, uh, Annie, Annie, Annie Turnbull Malone, who was C, Madam CJ Walker's mentor, uh, talks about Madam CJ Walker and how she got her money, how she became uh, pretty much an apprentice to Annie Malone and stole her formula and didn't even bother to change the name of the product and just ran off and made money. Wow. Never made as much money as Annie Malone, but because she was flashy, she was buying jewels and she was building houses and driving fancy cars, people assume she was like the richest out there. And They talk about O.W. Gurley and the other black guy in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that kicked off Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Right, right. I forgot who the other two were, but that one's a good book, Black Fortunes by Shamari Wills. And also there's another good one, um, Prince of Darkness. I forgot the name of the book.
0: I tried I tried to get into that book. I had it on audiobook, but it was read in this crazy accent. I could never actually finish it.
1: <laughs> I read the actual book. That one's pretty good. Like the first uh black millionaire on Wall, Wall Street. Yeah, he was a was crazy a, guy. He was crazy though.
0: Um
1: he, I We'll be right back. This is Elwood of Mindset Matters Tease. We offer merchandise with quotes that help shape your mindset. You can find us at www.mindsetmatterstease.com.
0: I got a tweet. Great books, brother. This is my last tweet. I'm going to pull it for James and whatever you have left for him. And this is one that I think is really important. And it says, I couldn't save 10K until I bought a rental property. i seen that and never looked back. That's the
2: honest to God truth, man. I mean, uh, I think it's a true testament to to passive income, to real estate. But again, it can be applied to any type of uh, business or investment strategies to A, um, take that risk, uh, not mess up the re-up and, and you'll see. More than you ever seen before. I mean, just living check to check, never. I, I couldn't make $10,000 living check to check the way I was before I got into real estate and even in other businesses. So I had you know, a landscaping business with the contract with the post office in college and my mind wasn't set up the way it is now. So I had to fail up to get where I am. So even if I was making that money, again, I was spending it as quickly as it came in. I didn't understand the value of planting those seeds and putting it back Thinking. into the business so it could scale. So um, being in a space where, like like I said, just being patient, not tricking off the money this time, but then figuring out, all right, if I just save this and not touch it and sacrifice and play broke or be okay with being broke, per se, um, and then boom, like, damn, I got $10,000. And I actually went to the bank and took took it out. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I need to feel this because I had never <laughs> for real it was like a sense of accomplishment where I'm like man, I never, I, I I never thought
0: about doing that just take it you know, out I had it
2: to. I, man for real I had to you know I told the teller I'm like uh, you know I want $10,000 and $20 bills because I wanted to feel kind of heavy so two thousand one hundred dollars and 100 is not nothing but in 20s I'm like oh man but it was just motivation where I'm just like wow this, this comes from sweat and blood and just patience and I'm like all right if I can do this I already know I can do 20 I already know I can do 30 you know what I'm saying and so that's why I'm in a space where I'm like all right the true goal is a million liquid you know and, and being in a space where I, I'm not gonna pull a floyd but maybe I will pull a floyd and just have a million dollars <laughs> somewhere you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it's but it's just because you work for those things but back to the to the to the tweet was yeah, man. I I know for a fact that no matter how and and this is one thing I want to say to people is when I first graduated from uh, undergrad, right? I went and worked for um, an attorney, and uh, her and her husband were well off, so they collectively bringing in probably over two hundred and sixty uh, a year. Black couple too, right? So I'm working for them, and uh, we, and they got the best of everything. I'm talking Victorian homes, uh, floor seats at every game, and Just living the life. Every day we going out to eat for lunch and whatnot. And one week, I was stacking my money. I wasn't making any money for the most part. I was working at a law firm for her, right? Private practice. One week, she couldn't pay me. And so I went to my safe and I'm like, damn, I got $400. And I'm thinking to myself, like... Man, I got more money than these people right now. And they make uh, over a quarter million dollars a year. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, this is nuts. Where she literally couldn't pay me. She had to wait for her next check. And that taught me, you can live check to check. You can be broke making a million dollars a year. Like, there's people making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. But they got, you know, a Maserati payment or a Porsche payment. They're taking all these vacations. They live in check to check. And they can't stack $10,000. As soon as they get their money, it's gone. You know, because they paying for their bills and all these expenses. So it goes back to like me being able to look and say, all right, my boss and my job don't have more money than I do when it comes to cash on hand to invest. Like I talk to him sometimes about investing. And He'd come to me like, well, when I get ten thousand dollars, I'm gonna come to you. And I'm thinking, what? You don't got <laughs> you, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like six figures, and those... so you got to put it in perspective, where it's like that small investment, that small sacrifice. It doesn't have to be real estate. It can be stocks. It can be whatever it is. But if you're not messing up your reup and you're stacking it and scaling your business, man, you can save more money than you ever thought in your life. And then you look at the statistics, it says like most Americans don't have I forget the exact amount, maybe four hundred for an emergency or a thousand in savings or what have you, right? So
1: mm-hmm. if you step what oh, they always say that most Americans can't get their hands on four hundred
2: bucks for a emergency. Go ahead. Exactly. You know, so you look at some people try to downplay you if you got a house in the hood and they're like, oh, man, you only make $400 a month. Dude, every month I'm making this and most Americans don't have this. You know what I'm saying? And I'm stacking it. So it's like start off small. It's no problem starting off small. You can only be bringing in 5600 a year. But if you be patient for two, three years, man, you're good. So that's just how I look at it. And that's the honest to God truth where I'm not going to lie to you. I have made money, right? but I was not saving my money. I wasn't in a position to stack it, but real estate alone has been that vehicle to allow me to do that. And I'm gonna to continue to do that and build upon that model.
0: Right, and I don't, I don't know why it is, but I feel like there's a connection between making money with your, your time and then spending that money versus making money kind of with your mind or with your asset column and then just preserving that money. And that's why when I read that tweet, it resonated with me because I mean, we did the same thing last year. I mean, we did we did pretty well. We kicked out all the money, gave it all away. This year, we made a bunch of money, and we ended up just using it to buy another property. But you you see that the money just stacks, and mm-hmm. we just go back to work, and it's just, okay, another rent check, just put it right there. And so I feel like a lot of people, the reason why they don't have the money set aside is because they're playing the wrong game. And I've mentioned this before, but if it's really difficult to buy properties, if you don't own own property, but when you own properties, your property, start buying your property. And so what we've, and I'm sure that experience this as well, but like your real estate starts to kind of do the work for you. and So that first deal is the most difficult, um, Xavier's experienced this where his actual really rental property is paying for his uh rehab. Or where us our rental properties bought this commercial property. We didn't have to do it. And so what do you think's gonna happen next year when we got all our rental properties kicking out and the commercial property kicking up? It's just gonna buy us more properties. And so that's what I realized exactly. like for some reason being in the game helps you grow in the game. Yeah, it does. So that's why I like that. Mm-hmm. All right, so oh, Charles. I I, we are getting a lot of feedback. I'm not sure where it's coming from. Yeah, I don't hear it. So you this see. is me. You might be the feedback, brother. You are. <laughs> do you Damn. do you have a speaker or something? No. That's really weird. I put you on mute, and I didn't get any feedback. I don't know. But, yeah, it's definitely feedback. And the crazy part about it is we'll hear it on the playback. So it's it's not just on – we'll definitely hear it on the playback.
2: It just started. So, I mean, we can we can wrap up. All right.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, let's right wrap down. this up. Uh, Hold on. I think you had one last tweet. Did you have another tweet or, or are you done? I had one last one. It was – you can do a quick in
1: and out. It was a lot of us lose because we operate with a mindset of only getting what we are allowed to get.
0: Oh, this is all right. Really quick. So I was thinking about this. A lot of people, when they start a business or when they have a job, they're afraid to start a business because of conflict of interest or they just feel like their only source of income can be their job income. And they feel like they might be kind of like betraying their job by making money outside of their job or over and above their job. And I've experienced this with my mom, like she's a CPA and she's constantly conflicted because she has these tax clients that she could bring in, these consultant clients she could be bringing in. But I realized like your only obligation is to make as much money as you can possibly make, like period. If that comes in the, in the form of creating a side entity that owns a bunch of properties or owns a business or owns whatever, like your job is only, your job only owns you to the extent that they pay you for the job that you do. They don't own everything about you. And I think a lot of times we give jobs that power. And I see people at my at the firm that I work at, they're always frustrated because their their they, their job is everything. My job isn't everything. My job is something I do while I build everything. And I kind of feel bad for them because they get so frustrated and they get mad and they want to leave and they want to do all these different things. And I'm like, bro, like, get some strings, fam. Like, this is the least of my worries. <laughs> and right. it's like African-American people, like, and I realize like, Chinese people, that's how they play the game. They're like, I they I know they work a job, but they got a business over here. They got real estate over here. They got all this stuff. We're the only people that are over here thinking like our job is the end all be all. And so that's just how, that's kind of where that tweet came from. It's like people are asking for permission to make more money. They're asking for permission to get a raise. And that's one of the things I, I put out this tweet and it said something about like the, one of the worst things about a job is that you have to ask for permission to make more money. Like that's crazy to me. I could create a product put on the internet and make a thousand dollars like that is that's great even if you make it on top of your on on top of your job and what i do now is i don't even tell them what i got going on i'm not over here telling you i got a business you don't got to know that i got a business you just need to know that i show up here between these hours and i do what i got to do like the business is not your concern the podcast the all that stuff the rental properties like don't worry about that stuff fam just worry about this because people don't like when you have other things going so you still have your an obligation to your family to make as much money as possible, but you don't got to broadcast it. You don't got to let people know about it. Right.
2: Yeah, I feel like, I mean, real quick, I feel like a lot of times in African-American culture, that's what they promote is, you know, go to school and get a good job. That's all they say. <laughs> they don't say create any streams or anything. They say, go and get a good job. Work 30 years and that's it. Where it's like, all right. And then people just fall into that space where they fully just committed and stuck in that space forever.
0: And all of us have skills. All of us can be making an extra. I was talking to a client. He does video work for this company and they're paying like 60 to 70, but he makes like another 40 on the side, just bringing in clients. Like the internet has allowed us to do that. The internet has allowed us to bring extra income in our life just by marketing that same skill you get paid on the job for to the world. I was thinking about this this morning. I was like, if you think that your job is not a business, you wouldn't have a job. The reason why you get paid is because your skill is a business. So take that skill, skip the minimum, and go right to the consumer. Like whatever job that is. If your job is customer service, if your job is being a VA, if your job is doing all these different things, just skip the middleman. take that skill to the world, and make what you're truly worth.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The internet is an equalizer, man. You can sell goddamn safety vests. It don't really matter. <laughs> buy buy low and sell high, like you said.
0: Yep. The crazy thing is people these days will prefer to buy something online. Nobody likes going to the mall. So it's it's opened the world up. Yeah, James it. said, you can monetize anything you put your money to.
2: Hey, imagine imagine 15 years from now how things
0: going to be, you know? Hopefully, we crack the code even more. Oh. So,
1: to wrap Nobody it up. Nobody's going to
2: stop running. True. Hey, I, I appreciate you guys. I do, yeah. first and foremost. Thanks Thank for you staying for giving up me late. The opportunity. Hey, when you get me talking about stuff like this, I'm not tired. I'm not tired at all anymore. <laughs>
1: Alright man, we appreciate you coming on. You're our fourth guest. You know, this was a good one.
2: Yeah. Just drop the link, drop the link to me as soon as possible, and I'll put it out there for sure.
1: Got it, man. We drop it tomorrow, man. Like always. We always put it up within 24 hours. So, okay,
2: quick turnaround.
1: Yeah, everybody listening, make sure you to follow James at Emporium C O E M.
2: Let me, let me spell it out. Yeah, go ahead. It's uh, Emporium CEO, E-M-P-O-R-I-U-M-C-E-O. And no no Instagram, right? He's on Instagram. Yeah, I got an Instagram. I really don't... I think it's underscore no, James underscore. <laughs> nah, I'm more of a Twitter <laughs> dude myself. I'm more of a Twitter person. I don't really like Instagram, but follow me on Twitter yep
1: twitter at emporium ceo james hunt and you know lit. todd yes, sir. todd Millie, still uh with the second account todd at todd billy T O D D B I L L I. you can follow me Raphael at work money life spell just like how it sounds work money life and um follow us on instagram uh the the podcast is at Black Wealth Tweet Talk. Of course, Charles is at Todd Millionaire. He also has at Todd Investments. Uh, he's also at Bless A Black Man on IG. Uh, I feel like I'm missing one, Charles.
0: No, that's it on IG, but one thing I will say is always shout out to the friends of the podcast, Erica Classic Climb, Hood Estates, Terry Ijeoma, 24-7 Watches, and I think that's oh and 17th watches. Also, got a shout out Todd Investments, Tide Capital, check us out. ww.govrobe.com backslash Tide Capital.
1: It's lit. Yep. Come to Tide Capital so we can get Charles that skyscraper in downtown LA. Going down. <laughs> it's tweet talk. Yes, sir. Wrapping up. And we have.